going to read from Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go Luke chapter 9, as, as Cindy just read. Uh, we are um, <clears throat> a few weeks into this incredibly rich chapter uh, that, that kind of tells a whole beautiful story about about life with God. And really, it kind of comes to a head there uh, toward the end. But, but even just a casual glance along the way gives us a, a really accurately powerful picture of, of who Jesus is, what He does, what He says about what He does, and ultimately what He uh, accomplishes for us. And, and the way we are trying to approach this in, in hopes that it would rest inside us and, and we would better understand it is, is we're asking a, a series of questions. And uh, we came in week one and we asked uh, one question being, who is Jesus. I mean, after all, if, if we, many of us here, claim to following Jesus, it might be a pretty decent idea to, to know who he is, uh, to know who this king is who is above all kings, to, to know who is this person who, who has a name that is above all names. It's, it's helpful to know that or else we're, we're left wondering, uh, following a stranger and and then uh, where that kind of moves us as, as God puts this on display, if you remember, uh, we, we walked in, I think it's around verse 28, the transfiguration, where, where the question that we wrestled that week with was, who is Jesus? And, and the people, uh, the crowd had assembled an opinion, and they said he's either uh, Elijah or he's a prophet of old, um, or he's John the Baptist come back uh, to life. Uh, and and we walk through, and we listen to the Father, and He says, This is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to Him. And, and what we listen to is, is what He says about who He is. And, and that will cause a lot of friction uh, between Jesus and the church. But, but that question is, is vital as we walk through the rest of this chapter. But then we move to our second question that, that okay, if we are to follow Jesus, which prayerfully, uh, if you claim an allegiance to Christ, that's the allegiance that you are telling him you're willing to do. I will follow you wherever you go. Uh, but, but if you follow him, we ask this question, what can I expect to follow me as I follow him. And, and we started uh, that week, if you remember, Mark taught uh, the first week of that. And, and what we saw is Jesus sends out his disciples to, uh, to, to heal and to proclaim the, the news of the kingdom uh, that, that we are supplied with, with both purpose and power. Uh, and, and that's important. And then last week, uh, we walk through this scene where where Jesus feeds the five thousand, and again, if we just if we remove the wonder and the majesty from the scene, uh, the story is just told that Jesus fed a whole bunch of people. Uh, but 
what we found in that time, prayerfully, is, is that Jesus gives us insight for who he is, uh, that he is the bread of life, uh, that he is the one who satisfies our hungers and our thirst forevermore. And then he gives us an expectation for the work of the church. Uh, and the way we framed that was that the work of the church is to meet needs in desolate places. Remember, that was the argument of the disciples. Let's send these people away, for we are in a desolate place. And, and Jesus looks at them and says, you give them something to eat. Now, now where we uh, go this week and next week is just two more of those, what can we expect? And then uh, here in, in two weeks, we'll, we'll introduce a third question that, uh, and really the, the, the end of the chapter deals with it. It says, okay, as we follow Jesus, how does he change our attitudes? Uh, how does he change our attitudes with, between us and God? How does he change our attitudes between us and others? And then lastly, how does he deal, change our attitudes with us and, and ourselves? And now, uh, where, where we go this morning, uh, admittedly, is, is one of, if not the most important passage uh, that, that Jesus will, will tell us about what it looks like to follow him. Uh, in fact, if you're looking for a cross-reference or a companion uh, to this, you could spend some time in Mark chapter 8 uh, because Jesus is going to tell us what it looks like to follow him. Now, as he does that, uh, you, you need to be mindful uh, that, and, and we'll get here, in, and I think it's in Luke 15, where, where Jesus never sells the gospel lightly. In fact, he'll, he'll come in and he'll say, if you're going to follow me, you need to count the cost. You need to be aware of, of what kind of a life I'm calling you to. And where we're at this morning will take us into some of the most uh, really, really just difficult stressings that we have when it comes to following Jesus. Because let's be honest, it's easy to follow him in moments when we get to gather around people that, that also love Jesus and we get to high-five one another and, and we get to sing and, and hopefully you sing better than the guy next to you so you have that over them, right? Uh, but it's easy in certain moments to come in and, and say, I love following Jesus. And then it's more difficult at other times when life isn't as easy as you would expect it to be or, or happening the way that you wanted it to happen, uh, but to still follow him into the midst of that. And so Jesus is going to take us, I believe, to the most painful consideration of if all of, if everything falls apart in my life, am I still willing to follow him? Okay, so, so this is, this is kind of where we are, but that's going to start in verse 23. But, but to get there, we need to understand that 23 is the second of two ands. Okay, so, so what, I, what I mean by that is, is 18 through 20, something beautiful happens, right? Jesus asks his disciples, he asks all of the disciples, who do, you, who do they say that I am? Who does the crowd say? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you are a prophet of old. And then he will really pierce them with a specific question. But who do you say that I am? And, and that's when Peter will say, you are the Christ. And now, then, then after that happens in verse 21, it says this, And 
he strictly charged them. So, so I believe we're in the same scene. This isn't like the next day. This isn't a different location. That Jesus is having this conversation. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. And he strictly charged them to not speak of this. Uh, because he's going to tell them, hey, what I have to do has not yet been done. Uh, and then he'll, he'll foretell his death at the hand of man. And so, so then... It says in verse 23, and this is where we're going to get started this morning. It says, and he said to all. So, so I believe we're still in the same scene, right? And he says, and I, he says to all. And so, so you got the confession that you are the Christ. You have the foretelling uh, that, that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and, and be killed and then on the third day, be raised up. Okay? So, so this is where we fall in, in verse 23. Okay? And, and admittedly, this is, this is some heavy lifting. Okay? Uh, this, is, this, is some, this is a weighty description of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And again, it's so important that we would understand this because a gospel sold too cheaply cannot be cherished rightly. Right? A gospel that's sold too cheaply cannot be properly cherished as it leads to life. And ultimately, this is, this is going to be a strange road, but it gets us to life here. This is what Jesus is telling us. If you want life, this is the path to get it. Okay? So, so here we go. We get this one command, and then we get these three incentives. And, and I love this because Jesus doesn't look at us and just say, Hey, just do this. Uh, but but as, a, as, a, as a good parent almost, says, Hey, just do this. Here's why this is important to do. Right? So he comes in and he does this. And so verse 23, and we get this command. It says, And he said to all, If anyone, okay, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Okay, so, so here's what we have in this command, right? We have, if you're going to come after me, right? And then you can circle, deny ourselves. You can circle, take up our cross daily, and then follow him. So two of those things are kind of redundant, right? Come after me and follow me is, is essentially the same thing. But, but I think Jesus, being the wordsmith that he is, didn't want to say, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, you've got to take up your cross and follow me, right? So, so, so really, the meat of what he says here in this command is in two places. He says, we deny ourselves and we take up our crosses. And so, so let's, let's start by talking about taking up our cross because I think understanding the cross helps us understand what he has to say about denying ourselves. So, so when we think of the cross, uh, we think of an incredibly horrific way of executing people. In fact, it, the Romans were the only ones that, that executed people like this, and they wouldn't do it on their own people. Uh, the Jews, they did not do this to their own people. Uh, and yet, a little bit later, they will be the ones to yell to Pontius uh, Pilate to, to crucify Jesus because they know this is the worst. This is, 
the absolute worst way of dying. In fact, uh, you die from slowly suffocating, right? And if you weren't dying fast enough, uh, and you weren't dying in their window, they would break your legs. So, so not only were you slowly dying of suffocation, but now your legs would be broken, and you would experience the pain of that. Now, now what came with it is what I think Jesus is talking about when he says, pick up your crosses daily. Because in order for you to have to pick up a cross, there would be roughly four things. You would have opposition. There would be some sort of official opposition against you. You would have shame. Uh, it, it wasn't just enough to execute you. Uh, to be crucified would be to be publicly shamed in the closing moments of your life. Right? So, so you, would be, you would have this opposition. You would have the shame involved. Many times you were stripped naked as you were trying to breathe your last breath. You would have the suffering involved. So we have the stakes that go through parts of your body. We have the suffering of trying to hold yourself up. If you've ever tried to just do a pull-up and hold yourself like that, good luck, right? So, so you have the suffering involved, and then lastly, you have death. Okay, so these are four things I want us to keep in our mind today. That you have opposition, you have shame, you have suffering, you have death. And what Jesus tells us to do is pick up that cross and be willing to experience these four things, but we experience it for his namesake. Now, we'll, we'll find that here in just a moment. So, so we find this, and, and so what Jesus asks, are you willing to experience this for my namesake? And if not, I'm telling you, follow someone else. Follow someone else. So, so, so here's what we know about self-denial, right? Uh, that, that ourselves, we don't want the cross, right? For, for us to say, for someone to walk in and be like, man, I'm really hoping uh, today, by the end of it, I'm opposed and I am shamed and I suffer and I die, right? There's not a sane person in the room that walks out saying that, right? So, so we know something about ourselves that we don't want that. We don't want that, and yet Jesus in this moment says we would deny ourselves that feeling. So, so, so the Bible talks about us having two, two selves, right? And they, they frame it as, as the old self and, and the new self. And, and the old self will say this, I want the comfort of my longings, of all of them. I expect them, I desire them, I think I should have them at all times. That's what the old self says. It says, whatever feels good, I should be doing, regardless of the consequences of what that action is. And so, so what Jesus will say is that self needs to be denied because it can't satisfy what you're truly longing for. Okay? And so, so, so the new self says, I want Jesus more than I want to avoid opposition and shame and suffering and death. This, this is where, and he's going to build this out, okay? So, so many of you are like, I'm not convinced yet. That's okay. Jesus is patient with us, and he's going to build this out. 
Okay? In fact, this is what happens in verses 24, 25, and 26. So, so he says, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. Okay? And where we follow with our cross is some painful places, but you do it because of this, this, and this. And this is where we go. Verse 24. Jesus says, maybe one of the most confusing lines in all the Bible. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Clear as mud, right? Makes perfect sense. You're like, sweet, we can go beat the Baptist to lunch now. We're good, right? So he says, whoever will lose his life, I'm sorry, whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will, will save it. And so, so let's talk about, you have this, this saving to losing and this losing to saving. So let's talk about this first saving, just for a moment. Because this first saving says, I will save myself by avoiding opposition and uh, suffering and shame and death. I will save myself. That's just the definition of, of being saved, right? I will save myself from that happening, from losing my life. And now the problem with this is that, that, that the result is that Jesus will say you will lose forever. If that's the pursuit of your life, you will lose that forever. In fact, he says that we would lose our lives in order to save it through self-denial, through bearing up our cross. And so, so, so to accept opposition, to accept shame, suffering, death for his namesake. Now, it goes against our culture, right? It goes against our general feelings of why would I want that? And the old self says, no, I don't want that. And the new self says, I deny you because I ultimately want to be saved. That's what it, this is what Jesus is saying. That if you truly want to be saved, you follow the way of the cross, because this is the way of my life, and as you follow me, this is where I go. So you deny that longing to say, I want to satisfy all of my comforts. So he moves us to verse 25. For what does it profit a man, and I love this question, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits Himself. Now, I love, I love it when the Bible gives rhetorical questions because we almost immediately want to answer it when they're easy and then we want to ignore it as if when they're hard. So, so he, he comes in and he says, he says, what is the profit? And the answer to that, if, if we were answering honestly, is there's no profit in gaining the world if we lose ourselves. There is, there is none. That, that all of the acceptance, all of the honor, all of the comfort, all of the safety of the world that this world has to offer has zero profit to it. And now let's just be honest. That's the positive spin, right? Like as, that, as we, Jesus says, you would take up your cross and you would take up the willingness to, to be opposed and to have shame and to suffer and to die... That, that the positive spin of that, it says, well, I want to build my life around the pursuit of, of acceptance and honor and comfort and safety. Now, if we say that, that doesn't sound as insane. 
And what Jesus brings to the table is, what can that do for you? What can it do? How far can that take you? Can it satisfy you forever? Because here's the thing. It can satisfy you for a moment, right? A lot of the times, comfort to us is just an appetite. And when we have it, we're full. And then all of a sudden, when we don't have it, we're starving again. And so, so what Jesus says is, is, is ask this question, what does it profit you if you gain everything that the world tries to offer you? And he says, there's no, there's no value in that. Because the world comes short in every respect. This is why he says we would lose our lives in order to save it. We would lose this desire to build a life built around acceptance and comfort, right? Uh, to, to refuse to build a life around um, honor and safety. And he says, he says, what you need more than you need comfort is you need life. Because at the end of it, you can't buy your soul out of hell. You can't. You can't do it, no matter how hard you try. No matter how many doors you open. No matter how many times you change a diaper in a nursery. You can't buy your soul out of hell. So Jesus will come in. Verse 26. And he gives us a very honest, but yet a very painful realization. It says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So, let me say that again. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And so, so everything here is built. What, what has Jesus just told them moments before? He says the Son of Man will, will be killed, buried, and on the third day come again. And then as he leaves, as he ascends after the resurrection, he says, I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to bring some glory. And you should spend some time reading Revelation. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you try to, to connect all the dots as if you were a detective on a spider web thing. Right? But, but that you would understand that when Jesus comes back, He comes back and it's noticeable. That He doesn't come back saying, Hey guys, it's me. You know, let's go. He comes back on a horse. Back with a sword. And He comes back to make sure and to fulfill the words that every tongue will confess that He is the Lord. Every one of them. So he says, he says, those who are ashamed of me, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of. So let's, let's talk about that for a moment. What is it? What is it to be ashamed of something or of someone? It's to, it's to say, I don't identify with that person, Right? Uh, I don't identify with them mainly because um, either either they are not um, cool enough 
or they are not brave enough, they are not uh, respectable enough. And, and what it says in our argument that Jesus has been building out is either you love me or you love the world, right? And he says, those who are ashamed of the Son of Man ultimately with their lives say this. They say, they say um, that I love the world more than I love Jesus. Here's the thing. Comfort, safety, honor, acceptance are not bad things in and of themselves. But when those things become the pursuit of our lives, they become idols. And what Jesus tells us is that, is that it runs its course, right? Like, acceptance can only get you so far. Honor will only get you so far. When you die, you know what happens with all that honor? It died. That's it. All that comfort, you know what happens when you die? It's done. It's, it's over. So Jesus will consistently tell us, you have to take your eyes off of these earthly things and you've got to put your eyes and your heart and, and the purpose of your life into the heavenly realms because that's the place where life is truly lived. So we come into this moment, he says, if you're ashamed of me here, I'll be ashamed of you there. And that, to us, many of us were like, well, that sounds mean. I thought the Jesus that fit in my pocket was always really nice and was running for prom king and, and just wanted all the friends he could have. A gospel that is sold too cheaply cannot be cherished rightly. And Jesus says, I am your treasure. He says, I am your great prize. I am the one in whom your life should be built upon. Now, as we do that, you have to consider the hardest moments. You have to consider when they oppose you for my namesake. Again, I think we've said this quite a few times. Uh, one of the biggest challenges with the modern day church is that, is that we're not hated for righteousness. We're hated because we're self-righteous people. So he says, he says when you are opposed uh, for my namesake, Know that you're bearing your cross. He says, no, when you suffer shame for my namesake, it's because they came after me first. And because of your allegiance to me, they're going to come after you. When you experience suffering, yeah, that's a, that's a word we don't really like to talk about a lot on Sunday mornings. We don't like to talk about that in our small groups. We don't like to talk about that in our prayer circles. But, but when you are slayed for my name's sake, still I will praise you. And then he says to those who die as martyrs of the gospel. He said, if you're not ashamed of me then, I'm not ashamed of you now. So really where this comes, and we can could, we could start wrapping up, Swan. We have two selves, and one self says, 
I need the approval of either God or man. Right? And oneself will say, well, I want the approval of man because the end of my life is about fulfilling the comfort of my longings. And the gospel will say, no, what you need most in your life is the comfort that comes with knowing you are rest secured in Christ Jesus. So the question is, whose approval am I seeking? Right? Whose approval are you seeking? Because Jesus said to come after me, it involves self-denial and cross-bearing. And neither one of us are like, ah, man, I was really hoping for an easy Monday. So do we want Jesus or do we want the world? And it's amazing. It's amazing how almost every week we kind of funnel down to this, this place. Do I want Jesus more than I want whatever the comforts of the world may be? Because here's what Jesus will say. In order to have the crown, we have to go through the cross. Now, let me tell you, the greatest threat to you is not a good life. The greatest threat to you is that you would be a dead man walking. And so what Jesus does is he goes to the cross, he leads that way, he takes on the opposition, he takes on the shame, he takes on the suffering, he takes on the death, and he does so because he's been charged by the Father to rescue and redeem you. That's great news. And he says, I come after you because my Father loves you and I love my Father. And so my life is about that. And now as we walk in the midst of King Jesus, we herald his praise. We just tell people, hey, look what he did. Look what he's done. He did that. He did that for you. He did that for me. All of my comforts, all of my longings are satisfied in Him because He loves me so. I don't deserve it. I couldn't buy it. And yet this gift is made available to me. So some of us would look at what Jesus says today and we will wrestle with it because we're like, man, that sounds too hard. And you're not alone. There's this scene in, I think it's John chapter 10, where Jesus says something similar to this. And the crowd looks at each other and they say, no, it's John 6. The crowd looks at each other and they say, this is too hard, I'm out. I'm out. And I get that. I get that. If you say, you know, I'm not willing to be opposed for Jesus, to suffer for Jesus, to be shamed for Jesus, to die for Jesus. I I get that. But it's important to me that I stand before you and say, Jesus says, count the cost. And here's what I know. He has met me in richer ways than any, anything and anyone else in the world could meet, could meet with me. That I have, I have peace, I have a purpose, and I have power that the world can't provide. And I'm increasingly learning 
that the comfort of my longings are short-sighted. And so, with my life, I long to count the cost and say, wherever it is, whatever we're doing, it's yes and amen. I think that's the picture of the church. I think that's what, what we find as we go through the history of the church. It's men and women being able to say, wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, yes and amen. I love you guys. Let me pray for us. If you need some prayer this morning, we'll have some people over here on this side of the room. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, come talk to me. I'd love to tell you what he's done. Because my testimony doesn't end up being about me. Because if it was about me, it'd be pretty lame. I know. It's about the goodness of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you know us. We thank you that you move amongst us. I pray that we would be kind of people who would consider that cost who would walk with you into opposition, into shame, into suffering, and even to death, so that those who are far from you might find life in Jesus. Father, thank you for telling us what this looks like in your word. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.